0: Welcome to the Treasure Coast Community Church podcast. TC3 Church is located in Stuart, Florida, and we're thankful that your listening journey has brought you to us. Our prayer is that everyone who tunes in connects the life-changing power of Jesus Christ in a real way. You will also discover, if you dig a little deeper, that TC3 is full of imperfect people who are simply striving daily to be more like Christ than they were the day before. The journey for us is about progress, not perfection. We pray that as you listen, you will be filled with hope, endurance, and joy as you experience life change. Enjoy today's message.
1: Good morning. Hey, well, I'm Joel, and it is great to be back with you all. I love being at TC3, love the amazing, uh, the transition that's going on here at the church, setting you guys up for an amazing future. And so it's exciting to see that. Uh, I'm visiting from the great state of Texas, so, you know, how about them cowboys, right? Uh, Tell you, there's something to be said for consistency. And they consistently crumble when the pressure's on, but we press on, right? So... uh, Gotta love that. We're in a series, uh, it's called Truth in the Dirt. And it is based off a version devotional. It's a version devotional I wrote based on the parable of the sower that Jesus taught. So if you're enjoying this, maybe you missed a week or so, you can go back and get on get the uh, online the previous messages. Or you can go to the version Bible app and you can download Truth in the Dirt and pull this up. And, and I would encourage you to go through this because this is really one of the most important parables Jesus taught. In fact, he said, if you don't understand this one, you're not gonna understand all of the parables I teach. So we're going to continue with that today. Uh, Like I said, I live in Texas. I live about an hour west of San Antonio in this cool little town called Kerrville. Kerrville is a really hot spot for folks who they've retired. A lot of them move from Houston, Dallas, and they want to retire in this town. So there's a lot of retired people there. It's kind of a lot like uh, the state I'm in, right? And uh, very popular spot, but when I moved there, I immediately noticed my insurance went up as soon as I changed my zip code, and they said, they, I said, why did my insurance go up? Is it inflation? They said, well, it's partially that, but it would have gone up anyways because uh, there's a lot of accidents in your town. I thought, why are there a lot of accidents? We're going like 20 miles an hour everywhere. And uh, they said, well, you know, and I came to realize what it was, and uh, it, is, it is wild driving in my little town. And it reminded me one time, my grandma, she actually lived there and I would go out and help her once a week. And I remember going to the grocery store with her and I remember one time her driving out and uh, she just pulled out right into traffic, like in this intersection and all these cars are screeching, people are honking on us. And I was like, Grandma, why did you do that? She said, well, I can't turn my neck. I was like, "Uh, Grandma, She's like, I, you, like, you gotta look. And she said, well, I just, I just figure they'll work with me if I pull out there. <laughs> so we had a lot of near accidents. And uh, it, it, I, I started to realize, Grandma, I think maybe you shouldn't be driving anymore. That conversation didn't go well. If you ever had a conversation with your dad, like, just does not go you well. Know, he's like, I fought Nam. And I'm like, yeah, I, I know, but just, you're gonna have to give up the keys, man. So... It's a little wild in our town, and nowhere is this more on display, this this wild human aggression, than at this grocery store right by my house. In the parking lot at this grocery store, I have seen some of the most wild humanity on display. And it all has to do with people trying to get really close parking spots, the handicapped spots right next to it. The other day I was, I was driving through and there's this sweet little lady coming out with a shopping cart real slow. She's coming out of the grocery store here. I'm here and there's a car in front of me and somebody across the parking lot is pulling out of one of the handicapped spots. The people in front of me surged forward, hit the lady's shopping cart, didn't stop. They went, got their parking spot, then got out and went, y'all, you okay over there? I was like, oh my goodness. I saw one. Another time I saw two people trying to pull into the same spot. And one guy got so mad, he pulled out his blue, little blue handicap thing, he's like, I'm handicapped. And the other guy yelled, he's like, some profanity. He said, I'm a purple heart. And they just stood there fighting over who deserved the spot more. I've seen near accidents, I've seen horns, I've seen suggestive hand gestures, all sorts of stuff over this parking spot. And what's wild about it is, when you talk to these people, they're really sweet people. But when you get in the way of them trying to get that parking spot, something primal comes out of them. Now, here's what I know about you. I'm guessing that you're really quite courteous when it comes to getting parking spots. But I would bet there's something in your life that if somebody gets in the way of you getting that, you get a little primal. And you go, "Uh uh-uh, I need that. Ain't nobody getting in the way of me getting that. And we've been talking about in this series about how when truth comes to us, we have to respond to it. But oftentimes, we can get distracted by lesser things. We have these higher things we need to live up to, but all the time there's these things around us and these lesser things that we're sure we need, they get in the way and they distract us from being focused and keeping our eyes fixed on higher things. Last week, I talked about how as a counselor, oftentimes in one session, we'll come to a kind of clarity about what needs to happen. And they'll say, yeah, I know that's true, but... And I think when it comes to our needs, what, I, what a lot of people would say, yeah, I know I need to fill in the blank, but I got needs, man. I know I need to be a little more generous, but... Man, the inflation right now, the way things are going. And man, I need to provide for my family. I got to give my kids all that stuff I never got growing up. You know, they got to have the Air Jordans and an iPhone. Yeah, I mean, you just got to have an iPhone these days, like otherwise kids will, people will laugh at my kids if they don't have an iPhone. So, I, I know I should be more generous, but man, we got I got to, you know, got to take care of ourselves and or, or this one, I, I know I shouldn't get as angry when people disrespect me, but man, when he tell when he talks to me that way at work, I just lose it. I got needs, man. I need respect. Or maybe you're a mom and you're going, I know I shouldn't get so frustrated at those kids, little life suckers. But I yeah, I'm like a human too, right? They're just taking, taking, taking. I'm just, ah, oh, I don't have any more to give. Or how about this one? Yeah. I know I shouldn't be looking at pornography or flirting with that girl at work, but ever since the baby came, it's just not happening with my wife and me. We've got stuff in our lives where we go, yeah, I know there's these higher things I should live up to, but I got needs, man. So the parable of the sower is all about this question. How will you respond to truth when it's presented to you? Because truth is always being presented. Truth is always out there if you want to find it. The challenge for us is sometimes the truth is spoken in a way we didn't like it. Well, I didn't like his tone. He could have been nicer in the way he said it. And so we kind of discount it. And we go, well, he should have said it nicer. So we act like it's still not true. But it was true. You just didn't like the tone. Or sometimes we don't like the messenger. We go... Yeah, well, how could anybody that believes that about that possibly have anything true to say? And so we write them off. We go, well, those people, those, those people that vote that way, well, they're just the devil. Can't listen to the devil. And we have these truths that are presented. Sometimes it's really hard to deal with it. But Jesus is saying, he says, when truth is presented, how you respond makes the difference between whether in your life you're going to get 30, 60, 100 full response, or no response at all. And he's looking at these different ways that we respond to truth. So last uh, two weeks ago, we talked about the path response. And the path response is simply you accept a lie rather than truth. I don't think it's any accident Jesus compared accepting a lie to a path. You know how a path is formed? Somebody goes, this is the easiest way to get from here to there. And so they start walking on it. And somebody comes behind them and goes, oh, it looks like this is the easiest way. Somebody is beat down the grass here, and so they follow it. And a lie is always the easiest thing to believe. Sometimes people that are in charge of leading you will will tell you a lie, and sometimes will willingly believe it, because one of the things about a lie is if somebody tells you a lie, and you're going, well, I'm not exactly sure that what they're telling me is true, but I guess I'll just obey and go along with it blindly, you get to abdicate responsibility if it goes badly. And you go, "Well, well, they told me they told me, and you knew kind of deep down in your heart, it wasn't truth, but you didn't explore it at all. You're just like, I'm just going to trust that that's true. And then you can get to abdicate responsibility and go, I was just doing what I told, I was told. Sometimes we tell ourselves lies. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people in marriage counseling and the marriage is basically over. And I'm like, when did, when did this start? And they're like, oh, I saw the warning signs way before the marriage. But I just knew my love could get, get, get us through this you know, because I'm a very loving person. Instead, we tell ourselves lies and we ignore things that are right in front of us. And truth is right there because a lie is always the easier path. Then we talked last week about the stony ground response. And the stony ground response is this. You give up and walk away when the walk of faith gets hard. You know, when we come to Jesus, he justifies us by his grace. He says, man, when I've, I've forgiven you once and for all for your sins. It's just as if I'd never sinned justified. And then he says, and now I love you so much, I'm not going to let you stay the same. <laughs> so he starts working on us. And he's like, hey, I need to work on, you know, the language you use or work on that anger. You need to work on that anxiety. And, and he starts chipping away at stuff in us. and We go, oh, I don't, I don't like this. This sanctification process where he starts making us more like him, it becomes really uncomfortable. And some of us just bail out on it. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people who right before I'm telling you, I'm like, they're about to get a breakthrough in their life. And they end up leaving the community or the church that they were getting that breakthrough in. And I say, why did you leave the church? And they go, oh, those people were judging me And I go, were they judging you or were they calling greatness out of you that you couldn't even see in yourself because you've been so beat down and you gave up right when you could have got the breakthrough because you're like, well, this is uncomfortable. It's always uncomfortable. Breaking through rock is always hard and difficult, but that's what God wants to do in our hearts with his truth. So don't give up and walk away. And this is where we come to today's, the thorny ground. So Jesus picks it up. He picks up where he's been talking. He says, hey, there's the people that fall on the path and there's people that fall, uh, the, the truth falls on the stony ground. And then he says this, still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Here's what he says the thorn response is. The thorn response is we just get distracted by lesser things. We've got these things we need, a lot of physical things we need, emotional things we need. And if we're not careful, God's saying, hey, I know you need those things, but you're not going to find them by seeking those things. You're going to find them by seeking me. And make no mistake, there are some things you really do need at a core level, okay? So, If you ever heard me talk, this triangle I'm about to talk about, if you've ever heard me talk for like five minutes, I've talked about it. I'm obsessed with it. Um, But I'm going to blow through this here in a second. And You go, wait, I need to know more about that. I've written an entire book. It's a short read back in the back. It's it's a green book called Fully You. You can get that. But I'm going to blow through this here. If you want to know more about how this affects the way your insecurities, your fears, your anxiety, your anger, your frustration, it's in that book. But at our core, we really have three basic needs. We all need a sense of safety. We all need a sense of connection, and we all need a sense of empowerment. And if you think about it, we had all this in the garden. We had perfect safety. There's nothing to harm us. There was no sin. God says, you got the run of the place. Do whatever you want. We had a perfect connection, so much so that God came and hung out with us during the cool of the day. It says he would walk with Adam and Eve. And we had perfect empowerment. He's like, you guys do whatever you want. Just don't do this one thing. So deep within us, we were created with a deep need for safety, connection, and empowerment. Of course, sin, as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, it separated them from the perfect source of those three needs. And ever since then, we've all felt a deep hole in our heart. Pascal called it the God-shaped hole. And if you ever feel like, you're like, I just can't get no satisfaction and that's what it is. You were made for God and you will only find peace when you find it in his love. But what happens is we've got these needs and we're all running around trying to get them met. And sometimes it looks like this. Maybe you have a desperate need for safety. Maybe you didn't get it growing up. Security, your father left. Maybe he was emotionally distant parent. Maybe actually you were actually abandoned. Maybe the thing that's driving you is a sense of, I need security, I was talking to a girl recently, and she's I, she was just bouncing from one guy to another, and she's like, "I'm just trying to find the guy that will keep me safe." And there's this drive within us—we go, "I just want to feel safe." And there's nothing wrong with you for having that need, but you got to recognize it's only going to be met in God Himself. And a lot of people who are focused on their safety, they become a little bit self-centered, self-absorbed. I guess I got to look out for number one because nobody's going to look out for me. Maybe you're sensitive in the connection area. Connection area is a a deep fear of rejection. So what people in this area do is they're always pleasing people. They're they're always saying yes to everything. Things are building up. Resentment's building about how much people are taking from them, but they go, well, I can't say no because I might get rejected. Sometimes in this area, if you're sensitive, you, you don't mind hanging out with people that you don't really like because you're like, well, eventually I'll win them over. If I can just try a little bit harder, I'll convince them I'm likable. I'm a very likable person. I was talking to somebody the other day and she said that. She's like, I just, my husband's like, why do you keep inviting them over? And I'm just thinking, I just know we'll have a connection at some point if I try hard enough. It's like, why would you hang out with people you don't like and aren't really actually that nice of people? Well, I just know I can win them over. In this connection corner, you're constantly fearing rejection. You're constantly striving for that. And then you come to the other corner, empowerment. That's my corner. I do not want anybody controlling me. I'm kind of a control freak. I want That's why I haven't worked for anybody for over 20 years. I'm like, hey, you ain't gonna tell me what to do, right? Which is a real problem in my relationship with God because he's always telling me what to do. But just to be honest. But you come to these, these, these things that are always driving us. And if we're not careful, those needs can be taken, can take precedence. And this is where it's really important. There's a guy named Pierre Taylor de Chardin. And he said this, he said we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Think about that for a second, because how often do the things that are around us, hunger, feelings of hurt, feelings of emotional pain, feelings of discouragement, how, much, how often can that overtake us and we forget that we're not what's happening to us, there's something deeper within us. We are spiritual beings having a human experience experience and if we're not careful we can actually miss out on that spiritual the spiritual things focused on our needs. That's what Jesus showed an example of this when he was uh, he went to the wilderness for 40 days it says there's a verse where it says Jesus he was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil after fasting 40 days and 40 nights he was hungry. obviously Jesus was a human 40 days not eating you'd be hungry. And the enemy came to him and says, If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus goes, uh-uh. It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He's saying, There are some things that are more important than getting your physical, even your emotional needs met. But you've got to seek him for those needs. And this is where Jesus later in Matthew 6:33 he says, Guys, I know you've got needs. I know you're, I mean, your heavenly father made you and he knows you need those things. But he says this, if you want to get those needs met, you do something completely counterintuitive. He says, you're worried about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, where you're going to live. But I'm telling you this, Matthew six thirty three: seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that you're looking for, the safety the security, the connection, the empowerment will be given to you as well. You don't get what you need by seeking what you need. You get what you need by seeking the highest good, which is the kingdom of God and his order and his righteousness, which is counterintuitive because most of us, the the needs around us are so demanding. You're saying, man, I just just need a little bit more. I talk to guys all the time. I say, well, how much is gonna be enough for you're gonna feel safe financially? Ah, just a little bit more. There's this, the the reason I think Jesus addresses next money is because I think they're connected. I think one of the easiest ways that we can convince ourselves we're gonna be safe, connected, or empowered is to have money. And this is where he says it's the deceitfulness of riches. Now, let me get this out of the way. There is nothing wrong with being wealthy. There is nothing wrong with having money. But money has a way of revealing what's already in your heart. And if, this, if it's a need base that you've got this money from, it's going to reveal, the money's going to reveal what's already in your heart. In fact, one of the things I think that's important to understand about money is I had a cowboy tell me this one time. He said, you know, the only difference between the rich and the poor is the rich get a longer rope to hang themselves with. And I thought about it a little bit, and I thought, you know, that, that is a true statement because when you've got money, it can buffer you. We've all got the same problems, right? It, but when you've got money, it can buffer you from some of the, the suffering of life, and you can feel a little bit safer when you're buffered. And if you, if you remember what we talked about last week, the, the two things that lead to transformation in our lives are experiences of great love and experiences of great suffering. And usually it's suffering, that wakes us up and we go, whoa, something needs to change here, which is why the cross of Jesus Christ, it's the ultimate example of great love and suffering right in one image. That's the power of it. But when you've got money, you can buffer yourself from suffering and you you may actually be shortcutting what God wants to do in your life through the challenges because you can buy your way out of it. My wife and I were complaining, we were at a restaurant complaining we had a $1,200 repair to do on our car we were just lamenting it. And a girl from our church came up and we're like, oh, she's like, how are you? Oh, we're so bummed, $1,200 on a car. And she's like, you have the money to pay for that repair? It's like, uh, yeah. And she goes, wow, I've been having to ride the bus for the last few months because I don't have the money to get my car fixed. Perspective shift. I was complaining about it. But that money was going to allow me to keep from having to ride the bus. But when you don't have the money, you don't have that. And that's where money is so dangerous because you can actually start to buffer yourself from a lot of the suffering we all face where you're like, well, money I can buy my way out of it. And maybe it's actually holding you back from some of the transformation God wants for you. And money's deceitful because you know what it promises you? Security, connection, and empowerment. Yeah, if I've got money, I'll be safe. I can live in the right neighborhood. If I got money, people want to be around me. If I've got money, nobody will tell me what to do. That's the challenge problem with money is it's so subjective. And what money will do is it'll mess with your head and tell you, here's what you need, but you don't really need it. There's a lady named Ruby K. Payne. She's one of those brilliant researchers I've ever met. She's a brilliant woman. And she talks about how the socioeconomic status you grew up in affects the way you see everything in this world. But the challenge is Oftentimes, uh, you end up marrying, you may have grew up in poverty, but you mar- end up marrying somebody that came from wealth, and there's conflict because you don't even realize you guys see the world completely differently. And oftentimes in your life, you'll go up or down one socioeconomic status in your lifetime. So here's a simple way she talks about it. She's like, in, in wealth or in poverty, food is all about quantity. Did you get enough? Did you get enough food? You're gonna be full? In the middle class, food is about quality. Did it taste good? And in the upper classes, because you've got unlimited resources, it's about presentation. That's why you go to a restaurant, it's $120 a plate. There's a giant white plate, a tiny little piece of steak and little parsley. And you're like, oh, how lovely, but I'm going to be real hungry after this. Because it's about presentation. You don't have a limit of resources. You can just buy these things and you want them to be beautiful. Uh, In poverty, money is about alleviating pain. Like you use it to alleviate pain. In the middle class, money is about buying things that are images. And that's why uh, uh, um, like brand names are really important. Like, oh, I'm, this is a Versace or whatever. Very different in wealth. It's about preserving the money through resources and connections. So I shared this with a group one time. And this girl came up to me afterwards in tears. And she's like, oh, you just explained my life. I said, "What do you mean?" She goes, "Well, I'm, I'm making my husband and I between the two of us are making two hundred and fifty thousand a year, but we're constantly broke, living paycheck to paycheck. I don't know how you can live off two fifty a year." And I was like, uh, "I'll show you how to like live three times off of this. But <laughs> But she said, "This you explained everything because we grew up in poverty. She said, but as soon as my dad would get a paycheck on Friday, he would take us to Six Flags, this theme park, and we would go on every ride and we'd spend all of our money. He'd get us the big gulp drinks and we'd get all of those nachos and everything. And then we'd come home on Monday and our electricity would be shut off. And she realized I was raised seeing money as a way to alleviate pain. So when I have a really hard, rough week, I'll go to Saks Fifth Avenue and spend $2,000 on a weekend on clothes. It's how what I use to deal with those needs I think I have. Money helps me do that. And I think that's what Jesus is talking about, why he says, man, and it will be really hard, he says, for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. He says, it's actually harder for them to get in the kingdom of heaven than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. He's saying it's not saying there's something wrong with wealth. He's just saying, if you're depending on your wealth to meet the needs that only God can meet, you're always gonna come up short and you're always gonna feel like, I don't have what I need. So this is where Paul comes in and he says this in Philippians. He says this, guys, I know you've got all these needs, but I'm telling you this, my God will supply all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. If you want your needs to get met, don't focus on the needs. Don't let them distract you from the higher calling that you're called to, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And when that desire with this week, when that desire comes on you and you go, oh, I just, I've gotta have it. I've gotta have this. I need this. Or you're feeling like you're lacking in some area. It's a great opportunity for you to stop and go, you know what? This thing I'm certain I need, I'm really only gonna find the answer as I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Your God, he knows what you need. He knows that hole that you have in your heart from whatever you didn't get growing up, whether it was safety, connection, or empowerment. And the only way you're gonna get it is through his love, which seems so ethereal, but it is the answer. And when he presents his truth in your life, We've got to remember, we've got to seek the higher things and not get distracted by the lesser things. Those things that promise to give us those things, security, connection, control, that we'll never get from anywhere but Him. You guys receive that? That's my prayer. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you that everything we need is found in you. You are the answer. I pray, Lord, for those that, man, they realize today they've been seeking connection with money, or they've been seeking the right neighborhood for safety, Lord, whatever it is, I pray that you would just put a deep sense within them that whatever it is, that hole they feel in their heart, that there's just never enough, they can't get no satisfaction, you're the answer to that. And I pray that we would all seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, and as we do that, Lord, I believe you're going to give everything we need. It will be provided for us. You love us. You you have a plan and a purpose for us. And as we seek you, Lord, you provide everything we need. Amen. Hey, I send out a weekly email. If you want to scan the QR code, uh, it won't be up there long, but there's another one in the back. You can scan the QR code. You'll you'll put in your email address. You'll get signed up for a weekly email from me. It has been great being with you guys. Thanks so much for having me. God bless you.
0: Thank you for listening. We understand that life is a journey and that the journey has many stages. No matter what stage you're in, TC3 is a place where you can plug in and be poured into. So if you're looking for community, we would love to connect with you. Start by hitting the subscribe button. Then click the connect link in today's episode. This is your opportunity to join in on what God is doing at TC3. We are confident that he's just getting started with us and with you. We look forward to sharing more of the path with you.